Now, the road to Emmaus appearance of Jesus is one of the most powerful post-resurrection encounters with Jesus to be found in all the Gospels. It ranks right up there with Jesus showing Thomas his hands and his feet and his side. And the exchange between Jesus and Peter where Jesus asks him, do you love me? Three times. It speaks to us so clearly because it makes room for us in the story. Now, many of the gospel stories do this. Making place for the reader amidst the details of the story is an effective literary device in ancient literature as well as in literature today. One of the disciples in the account is Cleopas. Now, Cleopas wasn't one of the twelve, the inner circle of Jesus' followers, but he apparently was part of a close-knit group that surrounded Jesus and traveled with him throughout his ministry. Many scholars think that Mary of Clopas is actually connected with this disciple, either her, uh, his daughter or more likely his wife. And indeed, there is good reason to suspect that the other disciple in this story who goes specifically unnamed in the account is actually Cleopas's wife, Mary, who is mentioned in John's Gospel. That's interesting because she was one of the women who was present at the crucifixion, and she was one of the women who helped prepare Jesus' body for burial in the tomb. So she knew He was dead, 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 dead. If the original version of this account in the oral tradition preceding Luke's uh, use of it or appropriation of it had Mary as the other disciple here, then quite a few elements of this story suddenly make sense to us. After all, these two disciples are traveling home to Emmaus, something one might expect to see of a married couple. Once they arrive at home, they invite Jesus into their home together. Something else you might expect from a married couple. And they were bewildered and perplexed by the story of the women who had found the tomb empty and by their story that Jesus was alive and had been seen and risen by Mary Magdalene. Now, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, certainly would have known that he was dead. And so the message of his resurrection would have been a shock and a surprise to them and would answer why she was so and, and her husband was so bewildered by this message. The point is that Luke took this powerful account and made room for all of us in it, in Mary's sandals. We stand in Mary Clopas's sandals here to experience the risen Christ as part of the story. And so with that in mind, let's note a couple of things. One of the first things it tells us about them is that when Jesus joins them in their journey on the road, their eyes were kept from recognizing Him. This is reminiscent of Mary Magdalene in John's Gospel. Not recognizing Jesus at the tomb, thinking He's the gardener. Because of her grief and her tears, because of her sorrow, she doesn't recognize her risen Lord, her rabbi, her master, until He speaks her name. 
Maria. And her reply suddenly and immediately is Rabboni, teacher. As a literary device, these disciples were kept from recognizing Jesus to allow for the story to be told and for Jesus to provide explanations about the events of the day. However, as is true with all of us, sometimes events in our own lives, experiences, needs, concerns, dashed hopes, and disappointed dreams can distract us from seeing clearly, from discerning what's right there in front of us. This may well have been part of what kept them from recognizing Jesus. They had great expectations about their Messiah. And they didn't understand what had happened, obviously, because you know what? Messiahs don't die. In the Hebraic understanding of who the anointed one of God, the Messiah, the Mashiach was supposed to be, Messiahs are victorious. They're not supposed to die. So, of course, they were perplexed by this message, by this experience, by what had happened, and by the message of the empty tomb. And even though he came and walked with them on the road and explained the Scriptures to them much as he had in life, their sorrow, their fear, their disappointment kept them from recognizing who it was that was walking with them. They didn't recognize Jesus until after they invited Him to supper. They experienced Him doing what He had always done before. Even though He was a guest in their house, He took the role of a host. He took the bread and He blessed it and He broke it saying, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech olam. And in that moment, their eyes were opened. In that moment when he blessed and broke the bread, their eyes were opened. And they recognized Jesus. They saw who he was. They knew who he was instantly. And in that exact same moment, The story says he disappeared from their presence. Their eyes were opened by the very act of blessing the bread. Something Jesus had done innumerable times before. Something that Jesus had done in the Passover meal just a few days earlier. Something that we all remember every time we come to communion. And their eyes were opened and our eyes can be opened to, open to the presence of Christ, open to the presence of the risen one, to the presence of the incarnate grace of God in the sacrament, in our neighbors seated next to us and near us on the pews, in our families and friends, and indeed even in the stranger whom we meet outside these walls. In the breaking of the bread at the Lord's table, our eyes are opened and we can clearly see 
the presence of Christ in our midst. Today, as you come for Holy Communion, as you reach out your hands and receive the bread and dip it into the cup and partake of both elements together, let us partake of that holy mystery of God's gracious, self-giving love. May our eyes be opened to the wonderful miracle that Christ has for us. Every time we partake is an opportunity for a fresh start with Christ. Every time we partake is an opportunity to begin again on the road that God has for us. May we look with eyes of faith, listen with ears of faith, touch with hands of faith, speak with lips of faith, and see and hear and know and receive Jesus in our midst, in our neighbor and in the stranger. May Jesus' wonderful love, grace, and peace, may Jesus' offering of a spiritual life and nourishment in the sacrament in our worship, in our service, in our giving, in all the means of grace. May Jesus' presence and life draw us together tighter, stronger, more assured for mission and ministry in a broken and hurting world that needs to hear the good news of the love of God. We have a journey together ahead of us, one that I'm thrilled to join you in making. May our eyes together be opened to Christ's presence in our midst, and may we share the love that Christ has for us with each other, with our neighbors, with the stranger, with all who have been excluded, marginalized, ignored, rejected, with all. I'm a Texan, all right? I'm from Texas, and you can hear it when I get mad, but there's a difference when you say mad, okay, but then you're mad. Wow. Make it a diphthong, it makes it even stronger. Well, my friends, we got a phrase there, we say y'all, and when we mean a whole lot of y'all, we mean all y'all. Let us share the grace and the love of God with all, with all y'all. And let us be a people whose eyes and hearts and hands and ears and lips and minds and doors are open and remain open to all. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and may God's people say, Amen. Amen. All y'all.